unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. Did that not work? Try that again. Unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Hello, hello. Once again, it is Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, your place for the Raw and Unscripted Show with myself, Christopher Roush, the place where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Good to see you tonight. appreciate you guys being here on the Raw and Unscripted Show. As always, we are here every single week, so put it in your calendar. Make sure you show up and be ready for the Raw and Unscripted conversations that are designed to get you to think differently about your past, present, and your future that are designed to get you think differently about your confidence and your ability to strive through situations that are challenging for you, right? That's the purpose of the show is having guests and having myself on here talking about the challenges and the difficulties that we've experienced in our life to realize where it is that we grow from. So when I ask you a question, I ask a lot of people this question, they're like, Chris, I don't want to go through any more stuff. I've already been through a lot of stuff. And I'm like, well, let me ask you this question. When you've gone through that stuff, did you learn more when it was easy or did you learn more when it was difficult? And 99% of you guys always tell me, well, of course, Chris, when it's challenging, but I, I think I've learned all my lessons and everything. You haven't. Trust me. I've been through a lot of stuff. You've been through a lot of stuff. We've all been through a lot of stuff. And guess what? It never stops. That's the bill of goods that were sold when we were kids is everybody sits there and says, you know, you got to go to school, you got to get good grades, and then you got to go to college, and then you got to have a family, and then you got to buy a house, and you got to put your kids in the school and go to college. And then one day, one day we all get to retire. You should work hard and, and have a pension and save your money. And that way you can retire and enjoy the fruits of your labor. No, ladies and gentlemen, of course, that's a great, that's a great advice, of course. But at the same time, it's, 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 a, it's a misnomer to think that you're going to retire and everything's going to be easy because that's just not the case. As you know, with life, it continues to throw us obstacles and curveballs every single time that we think that everything is done. And we think, oh my God, what is this now? And it's all part of the process. That's what I do here every single week because I, I build up your confidence and I build up your ability to respond to those situations instead of react to those situations. I talk to you every single week and bring you guests every single week so that you become a victor, not a victim ladies and gentlemen. So that's what we're going to be doing tonight on the show. I've got an amazing guest that we're going to be bringing on here in just a second. Uh, he has an incredible story. He has an incredible mindset. And I guarantee you, you're going to walk away from this conversation feeling more inspired, feeling more in control of what it is that you can do with your life, not feeling so much like everything is out of control because it's all in control here and in here. And when you get centered and when you get congruent with what it is that you truly want to do in this life and what legacy you want to leave, it's incredible how your focus and how the universe will start opening up doors for you to be able to achieve that. But what we have to do first is we have to recognize where it is that we're at. We have to become aware. 
We have to become aware of where it is that we're at. We have to become aware of what it is that's no longer working for us. And then after that, what do we have to do? Then we have to accept where we're at. It's one thing to be aware. Okay, I realize I'm not happy, but it's another thing to accept that responsibility to say, listen, if, if things are going to change, then I have to be the one that changes first. It has to change with internally about my mindset, about where it is that I'm focusing on, who it is that I'm blaming. You got to take that responsibility. You have to have that awareness and that, that acceptance. And then after that, you have to take action. So what I want you to do tonight is I want you to go get a pen and paper and I want you to write down three action items that you're able to take from the conversation between myself and my guest tonight. And then I want you to put it in the comments later on what it was that you did and what the outcome is that what the outcome of that was, because that way we can all help each other in the comments, whether you're watching this live or on the replay, we can go back to the comments and we can see what it is that we're working on. We can see and we can hold each other accountable. We can help lift each other up because that's the purpose of that. It's the purpose of the community that I create. So if you're not part of the Misfits for Life, please, please, please go over to ChristopherRausch.com, R-A-U-S-C-H, go over to ChristopherRausch.com. Um, I would love for you to go over there, become a part of the uh, community. So that way I can always be in touch with you because as well, we know what happened to Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp. I think it was last week where it went down and people were kind of freaking out. And for me, I don't want to lose connection with you guys. So please, please go over to ChristopherRoush.com. Sign up for the newsletter. I don't spam you or anything. I literally haven't sent out a newsletter in quite some time. So you don't have to worry about it filling up your inbox. It's a way for us to stay connected. And I'm going to start offering some special offers. I'm going to start writing my blogs again. So that's going to be my spot for you guys to get that special content. It won't be available on social media. It's only going to be available through ChristopherRoush.com. So yes, yes, yes. And the only thing I ask is as you're watching this, please, please share this if it's impacting you. I'd love for this to get out and get more people uh, a part of the Misfits for Life, get more people feeling unstoppable, get more people being healthy and considering their life as an opportunity for them to grow and expand. So you guys can help me with that. And as always, of course, questions are welcome. Whether you're live or on the replay, uh, myself and my guest will go back and we'll check those comments when we get the alert notifications and we'll go back and we'll answer them. But better yet, at the end of the show, I'm going to give you Ryan's contact information. That way you can connect with him directly or you can connect with me directly. As always, that's what we do here on the Ron and Scripted Show. So as for tonight's guest, uh, I met, you guys have heard me talk about it, Clubhouse. Yes, indeed. I met Ryan on Clubhouse and we've had some uh, engagement on LinkedIn and on uh, various chats and whatnot. Um, Ryan hails to us from the UK. The UK, we have another one. Uh, so yes, we have Ryan from the UK. Uh, he's an amazing guy. He's a traumatic brain injury survivor and a thriver. Um, and he's been able to overcome depression. He's been able to really situate his, his mindset to see that what life is happening for him and not to him and taking these traumatic experiences and being able to find the strength to grow through that and connecting with like-minded people all over the world. Uh, it's an honor to have him here with us on the Ron and Scripted Show. Please welcome Ryan Nurse. Ryan, how are you doing this evening, buddy? Uh, hello, Christopher. Hello, everybody as well. And thank you so much for having me. No, oh, it's a pleasure to have you. I mean, it's been, we've gone through a couple of uh, situations where we're trying to get you on the show and technology wasn't uh, happening. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here uh, over there in the UK and, and coming to us uh, on the Raw and Scripted Show. So um, what I want to talk about, I want to get off, just jump right off into the deep end of the conversation. Uh, I mentioned that you are a traumatic brain injury survivor. One of my clients, actually, her husband has, I think, one or two TBIs. And so it's been interesting for me to get a better understanding of what traumatic brain injuries are and how they affect the different parts of the brain and whatnot. Talk to us about your story of what happened and what caused you to have a TBI and a little bit of, of what you've learned through that uh, process. And I may interrupt you and ask questions in between, but yeah, I just figured we would just start off right there and jumping off point. So the mic is yours, sir. Thank you so much. So it's actually coming up to the 10th year anniversary in two weeks time. 
It's going to be the 10th year anniversary of my TBI. So 10 years ago, 2011, I was attacked on the way home from a nightclub. But as an 18-year-old boy, and you go to nightclubs, it's this sense of freedom. You're going out, you're partying with friends, and you're surrounded by like-minded people. I was, I was enjoying the evening so much. I was having fun, I was dancing, I was singing. And we were all together there, just really enjoying the evening. However, things took a real bad turn for the worst when we decided to leave the club and go home. We were driving back in a taxi, and our taxi was followed by a group of men. They radioed through on the walkie-talkie of our driver's taxi, and they insisted that we pulled over. They commanded that our driver pulled over and stopped. As he pulled over, we were sat there, we were questioning him. Why are you pulling over? What is the reason for you for stopping? No answer. And we went down this dark and unlit road and we ended up pulling over at the side. And as we stopped, there was the headlights of the vehicle that followed us pulled right up behind us. And now we were scared. We went from excited to go home to scared, to nervous. What happened next? And then suddenly there was a. Hey Brian, Brian, uh, no, Ryan, your 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 mic keeps going in and out. Let me take you it got, quick. It, Let me take yeah, you yeah, try that. Can you hear okay. me now? Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. So, okay, so so, so 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 you kind of went in and out. So you're in the taxi cab, you know, a, a car is following you, and there somebody's telling your taxi cab to pull over. Exactly that. So they were instructing us to pull over, whilst their headlights filled up the whole vehicle. So like I say, we were scared, we was nervous, and then our driver pulled over, and as he stopped, there was this knock on the on the passenger's front window. And my friend opened his window, but as he did, he began to get punched through the window. Whoa. So I was sat there behind him in the passenger rear. And as I opened my door to say, stop this madness, my door was ripped open. I hadn't even had a chance to take my seatbelt off. And I began to get pummeled by this man that was stood there. He began to beat me in the head. And it was like a it was like a hammer to the side of my head. And I hadn't even taken my seatbelt off yet. Wow. So I was trapped. Have you ever been, say, in a car down a fast road and someone's broke and your seatbelt locks out? Because that no, was it to me. The seatbelt locked out and I was glued to the back of the seat. I was like a sitting duck. Whilst this man just punched and pummeled me in the side of the head. And I was scared, I was nervous. And in all honesty, what went through my mind in that very moment was, this is how you are going to die. Wow. And I was frightened for my life. But then something told me, Ryan, this, this isn't how you're going to die. You're not going to let this happen. And I was so focused on undoing that buckle. In my mind, it was saying, Ryan, you need to get this belt undone. You need to get this belt undone. And I was nervous. I was panicking. I was grabbing this belt. I was trying to get it undone. And I was failing. Whilst this man was punching me in the side of the head. 
Was he saying anything? Was he saying anything while they were doing it? Did you have any idea what it was? It wasn't obviously police officers, right? No, it was it was a man, and he he wasn't saying anything. He was just so focused on beating me in the head, and I finally managed to get the belt undone. And as soon as I did, I left the driver's rear door on the other side, and I run. I literally run for my life. I run down a road that was opposite. And at not one moment, I I thought I even thought about say ringing the emergency services, the police. I thought I'll ring a friend that lived in that area to take me home. Because all I wanted to do is get back to the safety of my own home. And my friend did. He picked me up and they drove me back. And the whole way back, my head was just throbbing and spinning. It was like a gyroscopic feeling. And I couldn't I couldn't keep my heavy head up. And I could only compare it to when you're, say, on an aeroplane and you're falling asleep and your head's dropping, my head just kept dropping. I couldn't keep my head up because it was so heavy. And my friend said to me all the time, let's take you to hospital. Like, please let me take you to hospital. But I thought just because I'd drunk a bit that night and I'd been beaten, I'll be okay in the morning. So I went home as usual and I went, I went into my parents' home I got undressed and I got into bed as usual. And that was the last thing that I remember. So now I can only talk to you from my parents' point of view. So what happened? What happened to your friend? Was your friend, your friend, your friend was in the car as well? I had two guy friends and one lady friend. So in the back of the taxi cab. Yeah. So there was, there was two guys and uh, one lady and me. So there was four of us and there was five of those guys that attacked us. Wow. And they were, like I said, they were men compared to us. So they they obviously made their own way home. I don't really know what happened after that because I sort of was blacking out. I remember the journey back in the, in my friend's car, but I just remember my head just spinning. But as I got home, obviously, the last thing that I remember was touching the front door handle of my parents' home and walking through. So I went to bed, but my parents were watching me and I was vomiting this jet black vomit. Ooh. And my mum knew deep down, like that, those maternal instincts, she knew there was something really wrong. But my dad was saying, no, he's had, say, like black Zambuca shots. He's drunk too much, as your, as your dads do. And that wasn't the case. Luckily for me, though, somebody called my older brother to say, Ryan's been attacked. Is he OK? So my brother called my parents. And with that being said, the ambulance was called and I was rushed in to hospital. I was, t- I was taken in for an emergency brain operation because I suffered from a fractured skull and a blood clot due to a bleed on the brain. Wow. I had to be put into an in- in- induced coma and the specialist that done the work told my parents that I would be very lucky to survive the night. So my parents went from only just a few hours earlier seeing me excited to go out, happy, looking good, looking fresh, going on a night out as I'd done every weekend to lay in there that evening on the Sunday evening at 6pm they finally managed to see me at 6pm and I was laying there unconscious in a coma Wow! and they said he wouldn't he will not wake up from this so my parents mm. obviously went home told my friends told my family told my loved ones and then the next day they went up to the hospital again I was still being kept alive by this life support machine and the doctors and specialists said it's an absolute miracle that I'm still still alive, like being kept alive. 
And the same happened on the second day. Nothing happened. I was just laying there. However, on the third day, my parents were called up before they even got a chance to go to the hospital. And they were told to come to the hospital to speak to the specialist that done the, done the operation on me. And as my parents arrived at the hospital, they were sort of ushered into this separate room. And as they sat down, the specialist said, we would highly suggest you switch the life support machine off as there is zero brain activity. He's never going to wake up from this. Wow. But my dad there and then saved my life by standing up and he told the doctor, no, no way is this happening. I know Ryan more than you do. And Ryan's a stubborn little bugger. He takes his time to do anything in life. So give him time. And the doctor didn't know what to reply to that. My dad said, Ryan does every single thing in his own time. <laughs> he does nothing on anybody else's time. It's all on Ryan's time. So you need to give him that time. So the, the specialist agreed to allow him some more time. But he said, look, just bear in mind, there's zero brain activity. And due to the severity of his injuries, it's highly unlikely that he's ever going to wake up again. So a few days later, they decided to come up and it was the day they were going to reduce the sedation to bring me out of the coma. So they reduced the sedation. But sadly for me, I wasn't breathing by myself. I wasn't functioning by myself. So I had wow. to be straight back into the coma. And again, the specialist said, we would highly suggest you switch this machine off because there's zero brain activity. And if Ryan ever wakes up, he will never walk or talk again and be in a vegetative state for the rest of his life. Wow. So how long were you in the coma altogether? I was in the coma for seven days, a week in total. So talk to us about coming out of that. So the second time, obviously, reducing the sedation, I did obviously start to breathe on my own. But it wasn't like, say, I just, it wasn't like I woke up and opened my eyes. I was just laying there, just, just breathing by myself at this point in time. And I was just laying there unconscious. And then maybe another week went by was coming out of the coma where I wasn't really, there was minimal movements, like a twitch of a toe or a twitch of a finger. And at one point my nan was there and she leant down into my uh, right ear and she's quite a stern lady. And she whispered in or, or said in my ear, Ryan, open your eyes. And apparently as I lay there, one eye just opened and stared at her. And my family were like, so excited they were overwhelmed with excitement so they run to the doctors and the t told the doctors he's just opened his eye and they said no that's that's nothing this is all electrical impulses he's not gonna wake up still and my parents knew deep down that i was alive i, I, I was there they knew i was there and they mm -hmm. kept hope because in life we all need hope to cope like only ha have only positive expectations and that's what my parents had those positive expectations because they knew deep down that their son was alive and they would ask me questions. And I began to say, nod very slightly or shake my head, nod or shake my head. They'd ask me questions. For instance, do you own a car or do you own a motorbike? And I'd even nod or shake my head. But the very first time that I actually woke up and remember being alive, it was a very surreal experience because just before that, whilst in the coma or whilst coming out of the coma, I was actually gifted an out-of-body experience. I was going to ask you about that. So I'm sure 
I won't go too deep into this, but I'm sure many of you have heard it, say, on the internet, on television, on the radio, these out-of-body experiences where people say, see the light, etc. And I remember, this is the in the out-of-body experience now, I remember watching myself being pushed down this cobbled street by these two ladies speaking in this unknown language. And as they pushed me, I was just watching from, from the left, just slightly above, and I was just watching myself being pushed on this hospital bed. And we made this sharp left turn in through these giant glass sliding doors into a reception area. And there's just people speaking in this unknown language. And the receptionist was pointing to the, her left at this brick wall. And the people that were pushing me on this hospital bed were just running so, so fast that they were getting nowhere. And I was just watching from a distance. And as the gurney made impact with this solid brick wall, the wall opened up like a cat flap. It was, it was crazy. I was just watching this experience and it opened up like a giant cat flap. And as it did, I fell through it. But as I fell through this wall, these eyes that I was watching this experience through were back in my body and I was just falling through this dark nothingness. And I had this feeling of a, like a falling sensation around my body. And in the distance down below, I saw this, this outline of a shining white, glistening, bright white square. And I was falling towards this. But it could have taken me days, weeks, months, years. There was no time. Time was an illusion. Wow. It took, it took forever to fall towards this thing. But as I finally reached it, it got so bright, I closed my eyes. And as I closed my eyes, I felt my feet make impact with another wall, which I can only describe as, say, another flap into it could be another dimension. Who knows? And it was like this sensation of falling out of the end of a slide, like in a swimming pool or a park. And... Again, I lay there and I was just watching from above and I was being operated on. And I, I remember seeing myself being operated on. But there was wow. no pain, no hurt, no, no blood or guts or anything like that. It was just all peaceful. And it was just silent. It was so peaceful just watching this experience. And they finally finished what they were doing. And again, it took forever. And they just dissipated. They disappeared. And then as they did, it was like there was this sensation of a vacuum inside my mind and it sucked these eyes into my head and as I'm viewing this experience I just see these cur curtains in front of me and I'm thinking what's next and then these curtains slowly open and as they open this supernatural bright white light shone through with such intensity that I closed my eyes again but then as I slowly opened my eyes the curtains had fully opened and the light had dimmed down a bit but then as I looked out, I saw every single face that I'd ever seen in my whole life. Everywhere I looked, there was just faces. Wow. But it was in, it was in like order. So the people that were furthest away could have been, say, someone that I just bumped into years ago in the street. And then closer, it was, say, long friends that I hadn't seen for ages. A bit closer, it was quite close friends, uh, family members, etc. And then right at the end of my bed, it was my mum, my dad, my brother, my sister, my nans, my granddads. And they were all there. And they were just their faces of these people. And I'm just watching this whole out-of-body experience through my eyes now. And I'm just looking. And as I look out, the most impactful thing was every single person was crying their eyes out. And I was waving. I was screaming. I was shouting, trying to grab their attention. And they were just staring straight through me. And I tried forever 
And then in the end, I closed my eyes and I give up. I leant back and I hit that pillow and I was just crying. And then this suction feeling, this, this vacuum sensation, almost like a hoover. It was on the opposite direction now. It's on top of my head. And it sucked these eyes out of my head and this, this, this white light with it. And then everything went dark. And my body was cold and it started to warm up. And I hear this beeping noise in the distance. Beep, beep, beep. And it got louder and faster. And I honestly thought it was a dream. And I thought that my alarm was going up, that I needed to wake up to go to work. And it got so loud, this beeping, I actually did open my eyes. But then as I opened my eyes, I was back on Earth. And I'm back in my own real-life body now on Earth. And I was laying there in this intensive care unit on my own in the pitch black. I had wires, needles, tubes penetrating my body. And I was just like, what is going on? And I looked down and I looked around me. And that noise that was beeping was the machine that was keeping me alive. And then all of those memories that come flooding back from that night prior to being attacked. And I remembered every single thing that had happened to me. Wow. And then now, being back on Earth, I literally closed my eyes and I cried myself to sleep. Wow, dude. Thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing that, man. That's 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 super impactful. That is very vivid and very visual. Um, I could see every aspect of what it is that you were talking about. And I've talked to other people about near-death experiences and everybody has a, a different version of it, but they all wind up sounding the same. Actually, for a while, I was studying near-death experiences and, and being very fascinated with, okay, what's on the other side? And and this is is this all we all we have? And doing that, um, it's amazing how many different people have that same type of experience. So it's something that we can't necessarily go, well, that's, you know, I've heard people talk about it. Well, it's the medication, it's this, it's that. But at the same time, I choose to believe that there is another aspect to this realm that we're in. It's just not us having this meat suit experience, that there is an opportunity for us as souls to continue our journey on wherever it is that we're supposed to go. Um, so. You, you've gone through this experience, you wake up, and now you know here we're celebrating nearly 10 years since that incident. Talk to us about that journey, those first you know six months of, of coming out of that and rehabilitating yourself. And you know what was that like for you? Being 18 years old, you used to go to the club, you're all set up, and now you come out of this experience. What were some of the, what were some of the things that you had to work on uh, from a standpoint of rehabilitation? Because they said you were never gonna walk again. They said you were never gonna talk again. Obviously, they were wrong. Uh, so talk to us about that journey and what it taught you. Yeah, of course. That's a great question. So coming out of that, say, whole experience in hospital, which was very difficult, I suffered, say, from extreme tiredness and fatigue and severe short-term memory loss. Like my long-term memory was pretty good, actually. It was pretty brilliant, in, in all facts. And my short-term, I could be, say, having a conversation with you right now and completely forget why I'm here. And this lasted for months, if not years after, in all honesty. Wow. And yeah, very soon after, it was like I was just so focused on just becoming better and going back to work to finish my college because I was working as a mechanic at that point in time. And I was, say, missing out on my college course that I was on, my three year college apprenticeship scheme. So I was so focused on just getting back to college and finishing what I was started. And very soon after, I'm talking maybe four, five, six months after. I met, which is now my ex-partner. And we went into this 
very fast-paced relationship. And for me, it was an incredible relationship. It was total opposite to what I was used to. But what I'd done there, I boxed up and buried all of those emotions and I completely forgot about every single thing that had happened to me. I just pretended like nothing had happened. But only just a few months prior, I was knocking on death's doors. And we went into this relationship. Like I say, it was amazing. She was such a great person. Um, she introduced me to world travel. We started to travel the world, multiple destinations each year. And I'd never been abroad prior to meeting her. And six, six years later um, is when things really took a turn for the worse. So, yeah, we, we moved out, obviously, in the relationship. We bought our own home, bought matching cars. And from an outsider's point of view, we was living this perfect life. And I, I noticed you said earlier when you first come on the show, like, society says that we should say, buy a home, have a mortgage, have kids, have mm -hmm. a job, all by the age of 30 years old. And I had that. I was, what, 25 years old. And I had that stuff. And I didn't feel secure. I felt trapped. Because society says that we need all this stuff, but we don't. Mm -hmm. And I literally... What do we need? What do we need, in your opinion? We need to go after fulfillment. So many of us are, say, chasing money. Like, we're chasing money. If you chase money, you'll be forever running. Because we upgrade our lives. We get a pay rise. We, we go to that job that's maybe half an hour down the road further. And it might be, say, £2,000 more. But it's more stress, more pain, yep. more suffering. But we just focus on that figure of money. But numbers go on forever. It's never ending. So you'll be running forever and ever and ever. So what I say to people is, say, stop chasing money. Start to focus on fulfillment. And start pursuing purpose. So what was that? So what was that like? You get, you get, you get to this point in the relationship and you're starting to feel trapped. You've packed away everything else before from your prior life and, and, and the traumatic brain injury and everything else that happened with that. You're becoming older, you're becoming more of an adult. You're having an awareness. I know for me, when I turned 27, I had more epiphanies and I had more realizations about life and my place and my role in life. For me, 27 was that year. Talk to us about what that was like for you coming out of this whirlwind relationship. You first, you come out of the TBI uh, and then you go into this, you go travel all over the place and now you're really unpacking everything what was that like for you yeah so obviously coming out of that relationship six and a half years with that person and we just got back from our last trip to florida 2018 and we went on five trips away that year the most times we'd ever been away that year and i just got back and my partner at the time said we should stop spending as much time with each other and that's when things started to take a real deep downhill spiral and i spent christmas alone my birthday alone, February 2019, my birthday. And then March was, we had a trip to go backpacking in Cape Town for two weeks, which she didn't want to go, obviously. But I plucked up the courage to go on my first ever solo trip. But literally two days before, three days before I went, I went to a restaurant with a friend in our local area. And I actually saw my part or ex-partner, the one that said she wanted to be single, with another guy. And as much as it was heartbreaking, it was this huge sense of liberation. So I went to Cape Town. I had the best time ever, the best holiday I've ever had. But then returning to obviously that, that empty home is when the depression really started to kick in. I had this down, deep with downhill spiral and I broke down. Every day was like Groundhog Day to the point where it got worse and worse and worse.
I remember I was Googling how to be happy at one point because I thought happiness was external. Mm -hmm. I then turned to say drink and drugs when I never really drink and I don't do drugs at all because I saw the perceived happiness on all of those people's faces that were, say, snorting cocaine. And I did find happiness there uh, momentarily. Right. Never, ever trade what you want in the moment for what you want most. And I was looking for this true happiness. And happiness and true happiness are two different things. Like a, a, a phone could make you happy. A home could make you happy. A car could make you happy. But you could say you could lose your phone. You could crash your car. Or your house would get burnt down. True happiness comes from within. It's homemade. It's not external. Nobody will ever make you happy. You make yourself happy. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, Ryan, can you turn on your uh, a light in your car or something like that? I know you're you're broadcasting this from your vehicle. You're you're uh, getting darker by the second. There you go. I want to make yeah, sure people can see you as you're see people as you're talking. And I know you had some you had some uh, dogs barking in your house. That's why you're out there. So I completely understand that. When we first started our broadcast here, my dog was outside my studio barking. I was like. Shop, 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 shop. So that's why we do these things. We get creative to make sure that we have uh, the best ability to concentrate. So, so what was that? So what was that like? You know, talk to us about that that mental journey uh, of being able to have the realization that the happiness was inside of you. What are some of the specific actions that you took to take that responsibility to unpack? You know, the stuff that you had packed up before, because obviously it doesn't go away when we pack it up, right? We suppress it, we repress it, or we express it. So what was that like for you and being able to be more of an advocate for for people in your life to not be a victim to situations as much as even going through a traumatic brain injury in that situation? Um, talk to us about that journey for you. Yeah, of course. So I would say downhill spiraling with the drink drugs. I took myself to see the doctors who prescribed me with antidepressants, which refused to take as I thought I hadn't exhausted all avenues yet. So I went back and then I was um, suggested to take CBT counseling. Again, it sadly didn't work for me. And I'm not saying anyone listening, don't not try it because I'm so glad that I tried it. But it was very scripted. Every time that I deviated from the script, they went straight back and there was no empathy for me. So I lied my way out of CBT. Wow. And that, for everybody else who's listening, that's cognitive behavioral therapy, correct? Yeah, correct. So gotcha. I, I went there that day that I, I quit on that. And I said, look, I feel the best I've ever felt. But the truth was, I was the worst that I'd ever felt. But I was the best liar. Like when I was depressed, I would lie to everyone. Like nobody could tell I was depressed. And I remember going home and on that weekend was the day that literally transformed my life. Because before that, or, or that weekend, that, that few days before, was really down. I was at rock bottom. And the only reason that I didn't take my life is because I feared death. I was scared of death. And one single thought completely transformed my life. I was sat there on the sofa and I was crying my eyes out as, as I did every single weekend. And the thought that come to me was, could I live with the thought of dying with regrets? Mm. And I held on to that thought and I just asked myself, would I regret not trying to get up and out of this ditch? Because I realised that I hadn't really been trying. I'd been sat in that shit for a long time. Through months of mental misery, I was sat there and I was, I was the victim like you said earlier, I was the victim. And we can either be a victim or a victor of our past. Mm -hmm. Still suffering, we are volunteers. And I was a volunteer to the pain 
and suffering. And I started to look back on my life and look at all the obstacles that I'd overcome, the brain injury. And I realised that the nightmare that I was going through was actually a dream for somebody else. I was sat there with a roof over my head, shoes on my feet, clothes on my back, food in my fridge. And there was people that were living on the street with nothing. And I began to, without even realising what gratitude was at the time, I began to practice this daily gratitude. Yes, yes, I began yes. To on paper and write all of my thoughts and feelings on paper and practice daily gratitude every single day because gratitude makes what you have enough. And gratitude is what got me up and out of that ditch. And by practicing this daily gratitude, these small, positive, amazing things come into my life. And I remember one day, for a long time, it was like, death for me was a desired destination at one point. And I'll wake up. In what, in what way? In what way? Because I wanted to die. I wanted to die every single day. I woke up and I used to say, fuck you to the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Fuck you. But I flipped that to thank you. And I still do it to the day. Every single day I wake up, I say thank you. Mm. You know, because we all open two gifts every single morning. And that is our eyes. And that's why they call this moment the present. Oh, dude, you're, 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 you're seeing my song. You're seeing my song, man. And thank you for sharing that because, you know, it's so important to realize, you know, we're talking about perspectives and so we got this perspective like, oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have this. Da, 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 da. And all we have to do is just kind of just move our focus just a little bit to go, wow, I've got lights and I've got, I've got a fan and I've got this and I've got, I've got the ability to speak and I've got, you know, if I want it, I have hot water that can stream out of a hole in the wall for as much as I want. It's so crazy because we do, you know, and they say, you know, um, focus goes where energy flows. So if we're focused on the things that we don't have, of course, that's what our reticular activation system is going to see. Find more stuff that we don't have to substantiate the belief in my mind that I'm worthless or whatever else that, that the story we've written in our brain to be that victim. I love what you're saying is because when you just shift that and I have had so many people have near death experiences and they come out of it, they're like, Chris, I'm not the same person anymore. They've broken up relationships. They could not do it anymore because those people were living in a lack mindset. They were living in a scarcity mindset. They were not living in an abundant mindset. For me, exactly what you just said was one of the biggest things that I've done for myself in many, many years is I would go to bed and I would say what I was grateful for that day. And I've done that for a while. I'll say it out loud. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this. And I go to sleep and I'm like, that's a great way to end the day. But then I was reading a book called Own the Day. Uh, I, th I think it was called the Own the Day by Mar Marcus Aubrey and Aubrey Marcus. That's right. And, and it was talking about how to own the day. And I know how to own a month. I know how to own a quarter. I know how to own my goals, all that other stuff. But when you think about it, like owning the day, that almost seems like, okay, own the day. It's 24 hours. not a big deal. I, I, I'm going to own the week or something like that. But what I started doing is I started waking up and before my eyes even opened, I started saying what I was grateful for. I'm like, what, an, what a way to set the intention for the day is to be grateful for where it is that you're starting out at, not ending up at. So I started doing the gratitude part and that was great. And then after that, I said, you know, let me add another component to this because what do we do? We wake up and the first thing, oh, I got to do this and I got to do this or, oh shit, I'm late or I wonder what the traffic's going. We start going into, okay, what do I have to prepare for? What's, what are the potential roadblocks? What are the things that are going to piss me off? Da, 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 da. And I said, you know what? That's not a good way to own the day. So I decided in that moment, like before my eyes open, I'm going to say what I'm grateful for. And then I'm going to go into what my intentions are for the day. 
So we don't wake up and say, my intention today is to be an asshole. My, we don't wake up and say, my intention is to be a dick for, to my kid. Um, we said, we, we wake up and we said, okay, what is my intentionality for today? My first thing I always say is present and playful with my son. Uh, the ability, I'm gonna, I said, my intention today is to impact the world in a positive way that make people think differently uh, for their greater good. And I just go into these things, Ryan, and it's amazing. It's not always perfect, but I find myself when I'm consistent with that and I do it and I really spend a few minutes with the gratitude and with the intentions before my eyes even open, it's amazing what you can do to set in motion for the rest of the day, what it is that you're going to focus on and what you're going to get. So thank you for saying that, man. I'm curious, you know, in the fact that you had the near-death experience, you went through um, that traumatic experience and, and having to rehabilitate yourself, but yet you wanted to die, but then you were like, no, now I want to live. So there's, I mean, the fact of the matter is that we're all going to die. We, we talked about that before we, we started rolling the camera. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on that for people to use that? Some people would say sick and twisted leverage. I don't think it is. I think I look at myself. I'm like every day that I go out, you know, I, I all my social media posts say no regrets. So for me, that is huge. What are, what are some tips that you have for people to reframe their perspective about death and to be able to use it as a motivator, as some sort of uh, inspirational mechanism for them to live out each day as much as they possibly can? Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And so many people, obviously me included, at one point fear dying. And I say to you, if you're li if you're listening to this and you fear dying, don't fear dying, fear not living. <clears throat> Let the reality of death put urgency in living your life today. And for me, whilst in a coma, I wasn't conscious to decide whether to switch my life support machine off or not. And it was totally in somebody else's control. But I've noticed that many people who are alive and well have unconsciously pulled the plug on their own life support machine. Because death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside us while we live. And the great Benjamin Franklin once said that most people die at 25, but aren't buried until 75. Because the graveyard is one of the wealthiest places on this earth. Just imagine all of those undiscovered and unused talents, skills and abilities that cease to exist. All of those would-haves, could-haves and should-haves that the world never had exposure to. And I personally don't want to perish filled with potential. Because death is inevitable. And knowing this, why are we not running towards our dream life as if we were on fire? But let me tell you guys, you don't have to wait for somebody that you know to become seriously ill or die in order to take action today and turn your life around. Because so many people are fearing failure. But don't fear failure, fear regret. Mm. Make the pain of regret worse than any other pain or fear that you could ever imagine. Because the f pain of fear and failure is temporary. But the pain of regret lasts a lifetime. So what's your perspective on failure? Do you think failure is a bad thing? I think failure is an essential part of growth. Like failure is the stepping stones that we need to take in order to get to success. So failure is just success in progress. Yes. Where say all of the, the, the most important and the most valuable lessons of life are hiding within the failures. Mm. 
It's so funny because I mean, when I, when I, like I said at the top of the show, when I ask people, when did you learn and grow the most? They're going to tell me always through the challenging times. And so I'll ask the next question usually is like, okay, so do you learn from your mistakes? Yes or no? And most people say yes. And some people say, admittedly, they're like, no, I guess I don't because I keep doing it. I'm like, all right, well, guess what? What is, and then I ask them, what has to shift in order for you to stop doing that? And it's again, it goes back to their belief. So I'm sitting there telling them, like, if you learn from your mistakes, then please go make more. And undoubtedly, most people sit there and look at me like, what? Nobody's ever told me to go make more mistakes, Chris. I'm like, yes, because when it goes back to the childhood conditioning, and you, I'm sure you know this, Ryan, the childhood conditioning that the shit we go through and the program that we that we get, like I said at the top of the show, you know, oh, mistakes are bad, you know, failures are bad. I'm gonna get in trouble if I if I fail. I'm gonna get in trouble if I make a mistake. I'm gonna lose love and significance and whatever other emotion that we want to tie to that. So then we're afraid. Then we live in this bubble, like, okay, as long as I do these things for these people and they'll be happy, and as long as I don't say this or do this for these people, then they'll be happy, you know obviously on this show, I say, fuck that. I mean, you got to be around the right people that support you, that want you to grow, that want you to go out there and push yourself and be tenacious and risk for which that matters. How do you, how do you wake up every day? Um, talk to us about what your why is. What is the big mission of why Ryan nurse is still alive? Why you came back from the dead and now you're living here and having this conversation with me. What is, what is your why? Yeah, brilliant question. So for me personally, I believe that I was sent back to this earth to complete the mission that I was sent here in the first place to do. And that's why every single face was crying their eyes out because I hadn't complete the mission that I was sent here. And I believe that we're all sent here for a purpose, but some people find their purpose and other people don't. And it's okay not to know your purpose right now, but it's not okay to not be in constant search for it. So my purpose is to become the beacon of light that the world wakes up to. I want to, inspire over a billion lives because so many people are just living their life on autopilot they're just drifting through life and they're they're believing that tomorrow they're going to wake up and the reality is that it, it might not happen guys like the reality is that death could be around the corner for anybody so i want to wake awaken people and open people's eyes up to realize that one day they're going to die because I honestly believe that we're all born with two lives. But the second one starts only when we realize that we just have one. Ooh, say that again. Ooh. We're all born with two lives. But the second one begins when we realize that we just have one. so true it's so true man i think about we were just talking about that before you know the epiphany that we can have i mean i had a buddy commit suicide about a month ago and that just rocked my world and i'm hearing other things like that you know we can take our lives obviously but the fact that the room remains is that we just don't know and for me having that awareness that you know it could be my last is 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 my why so when i wake up and i say you know what my intention is this my gratitude is this my biggest why ryan came from back in 2008 and the people that watch the show, if we have any new people watching the show this time, uh, they'll appreciate this. But back in 2008, I was successful on paper and I was kind of like you, I was like, you know, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be, um, ungrateful, but I was just like, I was, I was on paper. I was super successful, but what I termed internally as I was comfortably miserable, I was making six figures. I had all these different things going on. I was good. I came out from being homeless for four years and trying to commit suicide and all those other things and created a life for myself that I was really proud of. But inside I was comfortably miserable. And I went to a funeral 
I will never forget this. I tell a story often because it was one of the most impactful moments of my life is I went to that funeral and I watched, it was for one of my coworkers who had passed away with cancer and everybody thought she was going to beat it. She was like super strong. She'd already beaten it once or twice. I can't remember how many times, but obviously she had succumbed to it and we were here uh, honoring her. And I was sitting in the back of the church and as people, my coworkers were getting up there and eulogizing her, I thought to myself, and this is critical. I thought, if I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? If I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say? And I had to be honest with myself. I'm like, you know, 10 or 15 of people will show up. They'll bring a uh, uh, Miller Genuine Draft. They'll bring Jack Daniels. They'll bring Motley Crue and Bon Jovi records. They'll talk about all the stupid stuff that Chris did, all the crazy, you know, girl chasing. It would, it would have been funny and it would have been hilarious and it would have been a great life. Oh yeah, you know, he was homeless and he did this and he became a coach. But I felt at that moment that the actions that I, were, that I was taking were not uh, uh, indicative of what it is that I truly wanted to do in this world. And so it caused me to sit there and think about that. So I drove home and it was still bugging me. It wasn't letting go. And so I got home, it was like three 30 in the afternoon. I walked into my office and I took out a good old fashioned pad of paper and a pen. And I sat down and I wrote my eulogy. I wrote my eulogy. And when I was done with it, I had no idea what to expect. I thought I was crazy because nobody wants to talk about death. Nobody wants to think about dying. So I went home and I wrote my eulogy. And as I wrote it out, um, I didn't have any expectations. So I, I wrote it out. It was one page and I went back and I started reading it and I said, I'm going to read it out loud as though I was giving this, right? I want to hear how it sounds. And as I started reading it, I had tears running down my face and I was like, wow, I didn't expect this. And then I got to the part where it said, Christopher Roush will have fought for what was right and what was fair. He will have risked for which that mattered. And he will have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. That encapsulation right there at the bottom part of my eulogy, Ryan, was my new why. It was like, okay, I am. this is my mission and my purpose for me being here on this earth, on a spinning blue marble going through space, is that I, I need to do this. And so when I sit there and I ask myself in those moments where I'm not being congruent, I'm like, Chris, is this getting you closer to or further from your stated eulogy, your stated why? Okay, it's getting me further away from it. Okay, what do I need to do to switch right now to get back on track? And those are the questions that we can ask ourselves. So for me, that's what it was, um, man. So what are you up to now? I mean, what is it that you're doing? Um, what is it? How, 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 how has been the, the rehabilitation from the TBI and what is it that you have to deal with still? And what is it that you're doing in the world today? Yeah. So that's a brilliant question again. And, um, so for me, it was like 2019 to 2020 was when I moved back to my parents and I was going to go straight back down that same road as what society tells us to do to, like you say, to buy society t teaches us to say, buy shit that we don't need to impress the people that we don't like. Yep. And I'm going to go back down that society road of let's go get a mortgage and work this job that I fucking hate to pay for this mortgage that I don't really need. Because when I was depressed, I actually hated my job at the time. And I only ever had one job, car mechanic, for over 13 years. And I hated it at that point when I was depressed. I used to say to people that I had to go to hell every day to pay for the membership in prison. I love it. Yeah. So coming out of that experience, moving back to my parents, I thought, I'm not going to get a mortgage. I'm going to sit there with a small amount of savings and I'm going to create something for my life, for my future. Because I want to create a future of fulfillment for me. So 2020 come around and before this, at the end of 2019, I set myself this travel goal to visit a different country every month for a year. But COVID put stop to that in February 2020. So now I'm back on, I'm flatlining and progress equals happiness, right? So 
I'm back at this job, obviously working where, where I've been working forever. And I thought, I don't like this anymore. This is time now with this whole COVID. It's opened my eyes up to think, shit, like life is happening, guys. And it could be over in any moment. And it just made me aware of that again. So I thought, this is the prime time for me to change my direction. So I started to become vulnerable and share my message online. And I started to write my very first book that I'm currently writing now, titled, Could I Live With The Thought Of Dying With Regrets? Mm. But then again, 2021 come around and I was flatlining. I wasn't progressing. And I was looking for, say, some sort of blessing in disguise. And then Clubhouse come along. Wow, this, this opened my eyes up to the possibilities in the world. Like, There's people out there that are sharing their messages. There's, they're using their pain as purpose. They're, they're using their mess as their message to help other people. And for me, I was like, this is what I want to do in life. And this is what I was made to do, to talk, to help others. So I jumped on like one of my very first Zoom calls with someone that I just met through Clubhouse. And he literally challenged me to quit my job. In one week's time, I had one week to quit my job of over 13 years. And he said, are you committed? And I said, yes. I went in a week later and I told my boss I quit my job. Wow. And I walked out of there and I felt so good about myself. And I haven't looked back since. So I've quit my one and only unfulfilled day job of over 13 years to follow my purpose, mission and vision which is to use the knowledge that I've gained from facing and overcoming the adversities in my life to inspire others to become the very best versions of themselves, to have positive impact on over a billion lives and to become or be the beacon of light that the world wakes up to. Because there's so many people out there that need to hear my words because they're just living their life with their eyes closed. They need to open their eyes and start living for themselves and not for anybody else. So now my mission is just to get out there, get on podcasts, get on stages, get on platforms all across all across the globe and just share my message with the world. I love it. I love it. I love it. Ryan Nurse, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, what an impactful 53 minutes, man. Thank you so much for being here on the Ron and Scripted Show. Uh, such a pleasure. There's so many other questions I could ask you, so we'll have you back and, and talk about it. When your book, when you get your book done, let me know. And we'll have you back on. We'll talk about that, and we'll dig a little bit deeper into some of this other stuff. But uh, where can people get a hold of you? Where can they continue the conversation with you, man? Yeah, thank you so much. And the best place to catch me is on Instagram at Ryan Nurse underscore. That's the best place. Send me a message and I will get back to you. Definitely. Awesome. 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 So what would be your final thoughts to everybody listening? Give them, give them uh, some tangible action items for what they can do ending out this conversation, man. Okay. So, right. Guys, it's so simple, but you are going to die. So don't let a, a single day go by without intention in moving you closer towards where you want to go in life. Don't live your life for anybody else. Live it for yourself. Because sometimes in life, the most profound periods of pain can also turn out to be our greatest gifts of growth. And from my own experience, I've found that adversity can quite often turn out to be a blessing in disguise. Because adversity is the prerequisite to growth, success, and true happiness. I believe hitting at the core of adversity is the key to progression and lifelong happiness. It isn't going to be easy to find this key, but once you have obtained it, it will unlock the barrier for your next level of life. So adversity can be a gift 
if we choose to let it be. So one final word, as I say, look, we all come into this world. We're all born ourselves. So don't die somebody else. Ooh. Don't die somebody else. Ryan Nurse, man. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for being here all the way from the UK. Uh, making arrangements to get away from the dog so we could have a good conversation, man. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, again, connect with him. For you guys listening on the podcast, it is uh, Instagram at Ryan Nurse, R-Y-A-N-N-U-R-S-E underscore. Check it out. Of course, you can always come back to the show notes and get all of his contact information here, but please connect with him. Let him know what this conversation has meant to you uh, that he has shared here as well. Um, Ryan, brother, thank you so much for being here on the Raw and Scripted Show. I'm going to place you backstage as I close things out. Don't go anywhere. Uh, and then uh, we will talk in just a second. So there you have it, boys and girls, the raw and unscripted show once again here, bringing you the goods, bringing you the raw and unscripted conversation with my guest tonight, Ryan Nurse. Please go connect with him on Instagram. And again, take this message, take this message of what we can do, what you can do in order to shift what is not working for you. Like you heard Ryan said, like you've heard me say dozens of times and other guests on the show, what happens is there's something that has to snap something has to snap because we do things for one of two reasons. We do things to avoid pain or to gain pleasure. And with all the short-term gratifications that are going on in the world today, you know, we have Netflix, we have shopping, we have instant gratification with Amazon. We have all sorts of things. We have sports, we have betting, we have, uh, we have uh, porn, we have all these different things that we can go to and escape our life. And like Ryan is saying, like I am saying, you don't want to have those regrets. You don't want to look back on your experience and say, wow, I sat and did nothing for five years, hoping, wishing, and praying that something was going to change. But what I had to realize that it all changes from here, from within. So if nothing else, go take the exercise, go write your eulogy, go write your why statement, go write something that's so powerful that gives you direction in those moments where you feel like giving up, Get have something that inspires you when you're like, when the negative self chatter starts coming through your brain, telling you that you're not worthy, telling you that you're being stupid, telling you that, you know, to play it safe and all that other stuff, have a big enough why. So in those moments, you can sit there and say, is this getting me closer to or further from my stated goal? Whatever your possible goal is. If you have kids, one of your why should be to live long enough to see them have kids. I don't care how old you are. I'm 52 years old. My son's going to be five. My goal is to see him be a dad. So if I'm in those situations where I'm making incongruent statements, then guess what? I need to, I need to shape up and I take responsibility for that. I tend to have a little good time here and there, but also at the same time, it's like, you know, a little good time here or there. Um, what does that add up to? Does that add up to heart disease? Does that add up to cancer? What does that add up to? So every single day, at the very least, I set the mission that when my, if I died today, that my son would see my social media, my son would see this interview, my son would see everything and go, dad, right up until the time that he went was vibrationally energetic about changing the world, about making the world a better place for who he was and what he did. And when they read that eulogy at my, not my funeral, at my celebration, it's going to stay, you know, Christopher Roush fought for what was right and what was fair and risk for what's that mattered and everything else. So you guys can go out there and do that. I'm here as a resource as always reach out to me. I'm the no excuses coach. I'll give you a complimentary say that one more time. Complimentary coaching strategy session uh, is my gift back to you. If you never had one with me, please hit me up. Go to my website, ChristopherRosh.com. You can find the booking details right there. It's my gift to you. There is no excuse. Spend an hour with me and I promise you, you will think differently about your past, present, and your future. You will come out with game plans and whatever happens from that point is ultimately your responsibility to continue taking those actions to support what it is that you want to do. So there we have it. There's the Raw and Scripted show for you guys. Again, another Tuesday night. Be here again next week and we'll have another amazing guest or maybe I'll 
do a solo show. But meanwhile, always go to ChristopherRash.com for the updated events. We have the unfiltered experience, the Friday night show coming up this week. So go check that out on there. Uh, my clubhouse shows, everything is on the events page. So you can find it. You can find the links. You can get the reminders. So I highly recommend you guys go do that. Meanwhile, let us know in the comments what you thought of the show. Again, like I said at the top of the show, what are your takeaways? Put those down there. Take some responsibilities. This is what I'm going to do with this. And this is how I'm going to impact the world. And let's go back and check these comments in a week and see if you've held up to your promise. All right. That's my little gift to you guys. Here we are on the Ron and Scripted Show. We'll see you guys here next Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Be legendary, be unstoppable, and of course, be kick-ass. We'll see you next.